the old town of edinburgh by robert louis stevenson this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org from one of the most notable of scotland's literary sons we extract the following attractive description of the famous capital city of that land the source of our selection being stevenson's edinburgh picturesque notes the old town section of the city is particularly limned for us in the selection here given the ancient and famous metropolis of the north sits overlooking a windy estuary from the slope and summit of three hills no situation could be more commanding for the head city of a kingdom none better chosen for noble prospects from her tall precipice and terraced gardens she looks far and wide on the sea and broad champagnes to the east you may catch at sunset the spark of the may lighthouse where the firth expands into the german ocean and away to the west over all the karse of stirling you can see the first snows upon ben Leddy. but edinburgh pays cruelly for her high seat in one of the vilest climates under heaven she is liable to be beaten upon by all the winds that blow to be drenched with rain to be buried in cold sea fogs out of the east and powdered with snow as it comes flying southward from the highland hills the weather is raw and boisterous in winter shifty and ungenial in summer and a downright meteorological purgatory in the spring the delicate die early and i as a survivor among bleak winds and plumping rain have been sometimes tempted to envy them their fate for all who love shelter and the blessings of the sun who hate dark weather and perpetual tilting against squalls there could scarcely be found a more unhomely and harassing place of residence many such aspire angrily after that somewhere else of the imagination where all troubles are supposed to end they lean over the great bridge which joins the new town with the old that windiest spot or high altar in this northern temple of the winds and watch the trains smoking out from under them and vanishing into the tunnel on a voyage to brighter skies happy the passengers who shake off the dust of edinburgh and have heard for the last time the cry of the east wind among her chimney-tops and yet the place establishes an interest in people's hearts go where they will they find no city of the same distinction go where they will they take a pride in their old home venice it has been said differs from all other cities in the sentiment which she inspires the rest may have admirers she only a famous fair one counts lovers in her train and indeed even by her kindest friends edinburgh is not considered in a similar sense these like her for many reasons not any one of which is satisfactory in itself they like her whimsically if you will and somewhat as a virtuoso dotes upon his cabinet her attraction is romantic in the narrowest meaning of the term beautiful as she is she is not so much beautiful as interesting she is preeminently gothic and all the more so since she has set herself off with some greek airs and erected classic temples on her crags in a word and above all she is a curiosity the palace of holyrood has been left aside in the growth of edinburgh and stands grey and silent in a workman's quarter and among breweries and gasworks 
it is a house of many memories great people of yore kings and queens buffoons and grave ambassadors played their stately farce for centuries in holy rood wars have been plotted dancing has lasted deep into the night murder has been done in its chambers there prince charlie held his phantom levees and in a very gallant manner represented a fallen dynasty for some hours now all these things of clay are mingled with the dust the king's crown itself is shown for sixpence to the vulgar but the stone palace has outlived these changes for fifty weeks together it is no more than a show for tourists and a museum of old furniture but on the fifty-first behold the palace reawakening and mimicking its past the lord commissioner a kind of stage sovereign sits among stage courtiers a coach and six and clattering escort come and go before the gate the windows are lighted up and its near neighbors the workmen may dance in their own houses to the palace music and in this the palace is typical there is a spark among the embers from time to time the old volcano smokes edinburgh has but partly abdicated and still wears in parody her metropolitan trappings half a capital and half a country town the whole city leads a double existence it has long trances of the one and flashes of the other like the king of the black isles it is half alive and half a monumental marble there are armed men and cannon in the citadel overhead you may see the troops marshaled on the high parade and at night after the early winter even fall and in the morning before the laggard winter dawn the wind carries abroad over edinburgh the sound of drums and bugles grave judges sit bewigged in what was once the scene of imperial deliberations close by in the high street perhaps the trumpets may sound about the stroke of noon and you see a troop of citizens in tawdry masquerade tabard above heather mixture trouser below and the men themselves trudging in the mud among unsympathetic bystanders the grooms of a well-appointed circus tread the streets with a better presence and yet these are the heralds and pursuivants of scotland who are about to proclaim a new law of the united kingdom before two score boys and thieves and hackney coachmen meanwhile every hour the bell of the university rings out over the hum of the streets and every hour a double tide of students coming and going fills the deep archways and lastly one night in the springtime or say one morning rather at the peep of day late folk may hear the voices of many men singing a psalm in unison from a church on one side of the old high street and a little after or perhaps a little before the sound of many men singing a psalm in unison from another church on the opposite side of the way there will be something in the words about the dew of hermon and how goodly it is to see brethren dwelling together in unity and the late folk will tell themselves that all this singing denotes the conclusion of two yearly ecclesiastical parliaments the parliaments of churches which are brothers in many admirable virtues but not specially like brothers in this particular of a tolerant and peaceful life again meditative people will find a charm in a certain consonancy between the aspect of the city and its odd and stirring history few places if any offer a more barbaric display of contrasts to the eye 
in the very midst stands one of the most satisfactory crags in nature a bass rock upon dry land rooted in a garden shaken by passing trains carrying a crown of battlements and turrets and describing its warlike shadow over the liveliest and brightest thoroughfare of the new town from their smoky beehives ten stories high the unwashed look down upon the open squares and gardens of the wealthy and gay people sunning themselves along princes street with its mile of commercial palaces all beflagged upon some great occasion see across a garden valley set with statues where the washings of the old town flutter in the breeze at its high windows and then upon all sides what a clashing of architecture in this one valley where the life of the town goes most busily forward there may be seen shown one above and behind another by the accidents of the ground buildings in almost every style upon the globe egyptian and greek temples venetian palaces and gothic spires are huddled one over another in most admired disorder while above all the brute mass of the castle and the summit of arthur's seat look down upon these imitations with a becoming dignity as the works of nature may look down upon the monuments of art but nature is a more indiscriminate patroness than we imagine and in no way frightened of a strong effect the birds roost as willingly among the corinthian capitals as in the crannies of the crag the same atmosphere and daylight clothe the eternal rock and yesterday's imitation portico and as the soft northern sunshine throws out everything into a glorified distinctness or easterly mists coming up with the blue evening fuse all these incongruous features into one and the lamps begin to glitter along the street and faint lights to burn in the high windows across the valley the feeling grows upon you that this also is a piece of nature in the most intimate sense that this profusion of eccentricities this dream in masonry and living rock is not a drop scene in a theatre but a city in the world of everyday reality connected by railway and telegraph wire with all the capitals of europe and inhabited by citizens of the familiar type who keep ledgers and attend church and have sold their immortal portion to a daily paper by all the canons of romance the place demands to be half deserted and leaning towards decay birds we might admit in profusion the play of the sun and winds and a few gypsies encamped in the chief thoroughfare but these citizens with their cabs and tramways their trains and posters are altogether out of key chartered tourists they make free with historical localities and rear their young among the most picturesque sights with a grand human indifference to see them thronging by in their neat clothes and conscious moral rectitude and with a little air of possession that verges on the absurd is not the least striking feature of the place and the story of the town is as eccentric as its appearance for centuries it was a capital thatched with heather and more than once in the evil days of english invasion it has gone up in flame to heaven a beacon to ships at sea it was the jousting ground of jealous nobles not only on greenside or by the king's stables where set tournaments were fought to the sound of trumpets and under the authority of the royal presence but in every alley where there was room to cross swords 
and in the main street where popular tumult under the blue blanket alternated with the brawls of outlandish clansmen and retainers down in the palace john knox reproved his queen in the accents of modern democracy in the town in one of those little shops plastered like so many swallows nests among the buttresses of the old cathedral that familiar autocrat james the sixth would gladly share a bottle of wine with george harriet the goldsmith up on the pentland hills that so quietly looked down on the castle with the city lying in waves around it those mad and dismal fanatics the sweet singers haggard from long exposure on the moors sat day and night with tearful psalms to see edinburgh consumed with fire from heaven like another sodom or gomorrah there in the grass market stiff-necked covenanting heroes offered up the often unnecessary but not less honorable sacrifice of their lives and bade eloquent farewell to sun moon and stars and earthly friendships or died silent to the roll of drums down by yon outlet rode graham of claverhouse and his thirty dragoons with the town beating to arms behind their horses tails a sorry handful thus riding for their lives but with a man at the head who was to return in a different temper make a dash that staggered scotland to the heart and die happily in the thick of fight there aikenhead was hanged for a piece of boyish incredulity there a few years afterwards david hume ruined philosophy and faith an undisturbed and well-reputed citizen and thither in yet a few years more burns came from the plough-tail as to an academy of guilt unbelief and artificial letters the old town occupies a sloping ridge or tail of diluvial matter protected in some subsidence of the waters by the castle cliffs which fortify it to the west on the one side of it and the other the new towns of the south and of the north occupy their lower broader and more gentle hilltops thus the quarter of the castle overtops the whole city and keeps an open view to sea and land it dominates for miles on every side and people on the decks of ships or ploughing in quiet country places over in fife can see the banner on the castle battlements and the smoke of the old town blowing abroad over the subjacent country a city that is set upon a hill it was i suppose from this distant aspect that she got her name of old Riki. perhaps it was given her by people who had never crossed her doors day after day from their various rustic pisgahs they had seen the pile of building on the hilltop and the long plume of smoke over the plain so it appeared to them so it had appeared to their fathers tilling the same field and as that was all they knew of the place it could be all expressed in these two words indeed even on a nearer view the old town is properly smoked and though it is well washed with rain all the year round it has a grim and sooty aspect among its younger suburbs it grew under the law that regulates the growth of walled cities in precarious situations not in extent but in height and density public buildings were forced wherever there was room for them into the midst of thoroughfares thoroughfares were diminished into lanes houses sprang up story after story neighbor mounting upon neighbor's shoulder as in some black hole of calcutta 
until the population slept fourteen or fifteen feet deep in a vertical direction the tallest of these lands as they are locally termed have long since been burnt out but to this day it is not uncommon to see eight or ten windows at a flight and the cliff of building which hangs imminent over waverley bridge would still put many natural precipices to shame the cellars are already high above the gazer's head planted on the steep hillside as for the garret all the furniture may be in the pawn shop but it commands a famous prospect to the highland hills the poor man may roost up there in the centre of edinburgh and yet have a peep of the green country from his window he shall see the quarters of the well-to-do fathoms underneath with their broad squares and gardens he shall have nothing overhead but a few spires the stone top gallants of the city and perhaps the wind may reach him with a rustic pureness and bring a smack of the sea or a flowering lilacs in the spring one night i went along the cowgate after every one was abed but the policeman and stopped by hazard before a tall land the moon touched upon its chimneys and shone blankly on the upper windows there was no light anywhere in the great bulk of the building but as i stood there it seemed to me that i could hear quite a body of quiet sounds from the interior doubtless there were many clocks ticking and people snoring on their backs and thus as i fancied the dense life within made itself faintly audible in my ears family after family contributing its quota to the general hum and the whole pile beating in tune to its timepieces like a great disordered heart perhaps it was little more than a fancy altogether but it was strangely impressive at the time and gave me an imaginative measure of the disproportion between the quantity of living flesh and the trifling walls that separated and contained it there was nothing fanciful at least but every circumstance of terror and reality in the fall of the land in high street the building had grown rotten to the core the entry underneath had suddenly closed up so that the scavenger's barrow could not pass cracks and reverberations sounded through the house at night the inhabitants of the huge old human beehive discussed their peril when they encountered on the stair some had even left their dwellings in a panic of fear and returned to them again in a fit of economy or self-respect when in the black hours of a sunday morning the whole structure ran together with a hideous uproar and tumbled story upon story to the ground the physical shock was felt far and near and the moral shock travelled with the morning milkmaid into all the suburbs the church bells never sounded more dismally over edinburgh than that grey forenoon death had made a brave harvest and like samson by pulling down one roof destroyed many a home none who saw it can have forgotten the aspect of the gable here it was plastered there papered according to the rooms here the kettle still stood on the hob high overhead and there a cheap picture of the queen was pasted over the chimney so by this disaster you had a glimpse into the life of thirty families all suddenly cut off from the revolving years the land had fallen and with the land how much far in the country people saw a gap in the city ranks and the sun looked through between the chimneys in an unwanted place and all over the world in london in canada in new zealand 
fancy what a multitude of people could exclaim with truth the house that i was born in fell last night end of the old town of edinburgh by robert louis stevenson